Welcome to Politics and Right. This is Egberto Willis, your host. We lost our audio based on who knows? Maybe, no, it was my fault. We were configuring the new phones and we hope that they work. So, anyhow, we're going to have a great program for you today, folks. Uh, we're going to have some, there you go, there we go with the audio. Now, as I speak to you, I've got to go to the maps and make sure our audio is mapped appropriately. That is, if this new microphone is mapped appropriately. And you know what? I think I got it mapped. I think I got it mapped. What we have to do here, my brothers and my sisters, is to find... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Find a way to get all of this stuff working together. And I think I got it. I think we have the whole phone system connected now, and I am looking to make sure all my mappings look sensible, and they seem to look sensible, except for line two, that was that wire two that was going across. Okay, I think we are in business. Anyway, how's everybody doing? I trust everybody's doing fine. Uh, welcome aboard, Eric Hayes. Welcome aboard, Breach MCP. Guess what, Bridge? These are, I can see great far. I can read marginally well near, but now to see my lettering crisp so I can read my baby here. I went ahead and started putting on some, these are just readers. That's all I need now. Now that the eyes are fixed, just the readers is all that I need. So yes, that's why you see the glasses on. Anyhow, está bien. Let's go ahead and start talking about what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about, we're probably going to start with Summer Lee. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Summer Lee, Congresswoman Summer Lee from Pennsylvania. Summer Lee is a great young activist out of, uh, Pit, I think it's a Pittsburgh area. Uh, she's also, she served in the Pittsburgh, uh, con I mean, uh, legislature, as I understand. I was supposed to interview her. In uh, in Pittsburgh, when we were when we went over there for the um, uh, for Netroots, but I didn't get to see her. The schedules just couldn't meet. But you know what? This woman is exceptional, and I think you guys are gonna love the thing that she did yesterday with uh, with Ali Velchi. But anyhow, we are going to get started here. First of all, welcome aboard, Eric Hayes. Welcome aboard, Bridge MCP. Welcome aboard, Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain. Welcome aboard, Maywood. Welcome aboard. I saw Tom C. in the house. Where is Tom C.? AVQ, of course, is in the house. And Yvette Avery Herod is in the house. Our beautiful union activist is in the house. Uh, who else is in the house? If I missed you, please forgive me. Uh, you really got, you really caught a good one, Radnan. New York Times, North Carolina court uh, with the new partisan mix reverses itself on a key voting case. When it had a Democratic majority last year, 
The North Carolina Supreme Court voided the state's legislative and congressional maps as illegal gerrymanders. Now the court has a Republican Party majority and says the opposite. Barely a week after Democratic justices on the North Carolina Supreme Court said new maps of the state legislative and congressional district were partisan, gerrymanders that violated the state constitution, a newly elected Republican majority on the court reversed course on Friday and said the court had no authority to overturn those maps. The practical effect is to enable Republican-controlled state legislature to scrap the court-ordered state, Senate, and congressional district boundaries that were used in the election last November and draw new maps skewed in their favor for elections 2024. Overturning such recent rulings by the court was a highly unusual move, particularly on a pivotal constitutional issue in which one of the facts had changed and in, in, in which none of the facts have changed. In an opinion divided five to two along party lines, the new Republican majority of justices said the court had no authority to strike down partisan maps that the state General Assembly had drawn to some legal experts. The legal reasoning was overshadowed by a different message that in politically charged cases, the deciding factor increasingly is not the law or legal precedent, but which party holds a majority on the court. Gerrymandering the practice of ruling politicians dividing the people so that it's uh, the politicians uh, who corral the voters rather than as it should be the people choosing who governs us. It would take a democratic supermajority to fix the broken politics and establish fair nationwide voting laws, such as mandating redistricting by shortfall, shortest split line algorithm to ensure everyone is treated equally. Republicans who would stand staunchly opposed, of course, as their authoritarian ideas are so toxic to your average American that they can't win any fair contests that aren't literally stacked in their favor. In other words, they can't win a popular vote. They have to win in, in skewed districts. Folks, look, uh, th- th- that is the fault of the North Carolina people. If I, if I remember correctly, uh, Supreme Court justices, like in most states, are chosen not in a district. Quite, and correct me, somebody, if I'm wrong. But I think it is statewide elections for these district judges. And here is the deal, people. North Carolina is a 50-50 state. And if you really poll the people, it has a blue bias. All right? Obama won North Carolina the first time. I think he lost it uh, slightly the second time, if I remember correctly. Now, uh, how do you lose 5-2 to two on the Supreme Court where you were a Democratic majority, now you go to a, a Republican almost super majority, five to two. You have to vote. You, you have to take respond. We have to take responsibility for going out there and vote, especially in judicial elections where these guys have ultimate power. Now, what they've done have created a humongous issue. Humongous issue. And it's all the fault of people staying home. So, I mean, uh, you may just have to suffer North Carolina. Let's, let's hope others use North Carolina as an example. Now we can also use uh, Wisconsin. When people go out and vote, blue wins. When people go out and vote, welcome aboard, Lee Grant. Hey, all, from the far right wing of the PDR Posse. Well, you're in the PDR Posse, so you're family. So yes, folks, go out and vote. When, when people vote, Democrats and progressives win. That's why they try to have you not vote. Eric Hayes says, at the state capitol on Monday, those for and against HB 1064, 
known as the Good Time Credit Bill, testified before the House Correction Committee. The bill, if passed, would allow violent offenders to receive earned time credit that would take uh, make them eligible for parole a lot sooner. Crime victims' families in Houston are fighting to make sure it never comes to law. Yes, if they can't use the bond uh, rules, why not get the bills passed to a violent criminal's what? All right. All right, let's continue. Uh, let's continue here. Someone I find so genuine in Coach Deion Sanders. Wait, let's see. Eric Hayes says, Someone I find so genuine is Coach Deion Sanders, having much success and recently facing life challenges via clots, etc. He remained upbeat and insightful and inspiring to everyone, even the kids of uh, the kids he coaches. Truly a powerful line, uh, life story. Nothing but respect. Thank you for passing that along. Have not read the piece. Um, yeah, he almost, uh, he, oh, he did get his toes amputated. I didn't realize that. Okay. Maywood says, good afternoon, everyone. Just got done with a Zoom meeting with everyone in a housing group trying to end homelessness. Man, you are wonderful for working in that domain, uh, Maywood. It's so important now. So important. Britt says, Summer Lee becomes the first black woman elected to Congress from Pennsylvania. True. Saw your video, May. Uh, yeah, great from May. Eric Hayes fearing releasing convicts uh, who have tried to be model prisoners. We need to focus on rehabilitation. KHOU Texas, more than 30 other states have had some kind of earned time credit program already on the books. Backers of HB 1064 draw a direct line from former President Trump's criminal justice reform to his new measure and the effort to rehab offenders rather than punish them. Supporters say the bill would in no way shorten any offender's actual sentence. Uh, Bridge MCP says Michael Rundner, Hayes fearing releasing convicts who have tried to be model prisoners. We need to focus on rehabilitation. Exactly right. I think I read that one already. Uh, Maywood says Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment. Whoop, whoop. Love that. Uh, Bridge says North Carolina is purple, almost blue. Bro lives there. Yep. It's an almost blue state. It's an almost majority blue state. Um, this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Michael Rodriguez said, Rick Hayes always look for the worst in people. No, that's how he comes across, but I don't think he really means it. Anyhow, I'm going to start with Summer Lee. Summer Lee uh, participated with um, uh, Maxwell, Maxwell Croft. What is it? Maxwell, I don't remember his last name, as well as Justin Jones. Maxwell, well, I tell you what, let me set it up again. Uh, her name is, her name is Summer Lee. Summer Lee is a congresswoman from Pennsylvania who was a powerful activist in her community. She also served in the state legislature, as I understand. And she is now in Washington and she's not there to be a meek freshman congressperson. She means business. I want you to listen to her on the speech she gave on the on the uh, hall or rather on the lawn at Congress with Maxwell Frost as well as Justin uh, uh, Justin Jones as well as uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez 
it was great seeing such power in on the lawn. And then you'll hear her interview with Ali Belchi. I think she proves the kind of youth that we have now and the youth that we must have to move us forward. Because the old folks have failed. Just look at look at Montana and all these other legislatures filled with the old, terrible type of people writing policies that harm people. But anyway, let's go ahead and listen to Summer Lee. There's not much in our current political environment to feel hopeful about. The division, the gridlock, the chaos, the extremism coming from the Republican Party. It's meant to energize you if you're part of that base or make you feel dejected if you're not. There are attacks on women's reproductive rights. There are attacks on LGBTQ Americans. There are attacks on voting rights. Their refusal to act on gun violence. There are continued attacks on democracy itself. I felt genuine, sincere hope. And that was thanks to three freshman Democratic lawmakers who joined us, Montana State Representative Zoe Zephyr, U.S. Congressman Maxwell Frost of Florida, and Tennessee State Representative Justin Jones. Three young politicians united and fully supporting each other in not their individual fights against extremism, but a collective fight against extremism. We know that if we're going to succeed in this, one community is not enough to shift the tides of history here. We need all of us standing and fighting together. When we go to these actions, when we're out on the streets, we're protesting for our rights, our rights, the rights of our neighbors, the trans community, LGBTQ plus community, black folks, immigrants, poor people in this country. It's young people, but it's all generations coming together. Look at the screen right now. This represents the future of America. This represents the vision of America that they're so fearful of because it is an inclusive America. It's one that affirms human dignity. It's one that affirms our solidarity with each other. Our connection, but, but let them be on notice that this is just the beginning, that we are going to continue to push forward toward that vision of America that lives up to what it says on paper, towards that vision of America that, that challenges this notion that people like us don't belong in elected office because we're not going in there um, you know, to, to make friends. We're going in there to make change. Young Americans, like those three lawmakers who joined us last night, all have a very particular experience with the Republican Party. It's something David Frum has highlighted from his latest piece in The Atlantic. Quote, an American must be at least 36 years old to have participated in an election in which the Republican candidate for president won the most votes. Despite this, that same 36-year-old American has lived half of his or her adult life under a Republican-controlled Senate, and even more of it under a Republican-controlled majority House of Representatives. Though almost all of that American's adult life, Republicans have held more than half of all state legislatures. Conservative dominance of the federal courts has become ever more total in the past two decades, culminating in the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade, end quote. In other words, young Americans have lived in a nation where because of things like the Electoral College and gerrymandering, Republicans end up with more power than our election results would tell you that they deserve. But we're starting to see a new generation of Democrats ready, as Justin Jones says, to challenge that broken system head on, not here to make friends, here to make change. Our next guest, Democratic Representative Summer Lee of Pennsylvania, was at that same event yesterday with Congressman Maxwell Frost and State Representative Justin Jones. Each and every one of us, irrespective of our generation, whether you're young and fed up or you're old and you're tired, it's time that we recognize that each and every one of us plays a role in what our democracy will become, where we will go, and how we're going to get there. I, I have to ask you about... This moment you said that we're in, we have to recognize the moment we are in. You are the person who David Frum was writing about. You are 
younger than 36 years old. You have lived in a weird world of democracy where what the people want, what the people vote for, but what the people get are not aligned. Tell me about this moment that we're in. Absolutely. This is a moment where we have a we've come to a confluence of so much, whether it be fascism or authoritarianism. We see Republicans trying so many different ways to silence the majority of voices, young voices, black and brown voices, marginalized voices who are starting to recognize that we haven't had a government for and by and of the people. And in recognizing that we're seeing opportunities to start to wrestle power from them. We're seeing that at state level and state houses. We're seeing that at the congressional level. We're seeing that with young people marching out of high schools, but we're recognizing that the time for us to wait for power is never going to be right for us, that we have to take it. And there is, I think, a hope in that. There is encouragement in that, but also there is a ferocity that we're not going to be able to contain. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're not coming here to make you comfortable yeah. and we're not going to abide by rules that keep us from uh, the liberation that we're looking for keep us from the policy change we're looking for. And in fact, when you talked about liberation in your campaign, even some Democrats came for you because you were you were breaking the China. Yeah, you know, I, I get it. We get it. Young voices get that often, right? When you are an organizer, an activist, and you're coming into these legislative spaces, they want us to move a certain way. They want us to respect the tradition that we recognize just hasn't worked. And we're coming saying that our lived experiences, the urgency of now calls for us to move differently. And we need uh, we need a little bit of respect for that. And there are some folks who are going to move, but there are also some folks who need to be moved. And that's all right, too. Uh, everybody has a time in the season. It's our time in our season now. And we're creating our own space if they won't let us have it. I love that last sentence. We are creating our own space if they don't let us have it. When Justin Jones and and, and Justin uh, Pearson, and, and I can't remember the name of the woman, when they couldn't get their way because uh, in a democratic, it, it, the word should be democratic, and they were undemocratically tried, they undemocratically tried to silence them. They reacted, but anyway, I don't have a lot of time, and I need to get this other video with, uh, starting our new series, The Con. Welcome aboard, Bridge MCP. Welcome, or rather, welcome aboard, Persuasive Barrier. Welcome aboard, Peggy Lopez. I saw somebody else come in that I had not acknowledged, and. Um, if I missed you, just point yourself out at the bottom. I think I acknowledge Lee Grant has re already, uh, he came in a little later. All right, let's go ahead and watch uh, the con, and then we'll take it on the other side. We need to get this one started like right away. Welcome to a new edition, a new series here on Politics Done Right, the con, uh, featuring Patrick Lovell. Let me tell you, he is the producer of the con. We are going to be exploring uh, the crash of 2008 and beyond. What is our fraudulent economy, uh, economic system? So let's go ahead and get started. First of all, welcome to Politics Done Right, uh, Senor Patrick. How are you doing today? I'm well, and I'm a fan, Egberto. I appreciate you. I appreciate your efforts, and I appreciate your passion and commitment to, uh, you know, getting as much information and education and clarity uh, to a population desperately in need of it. Well, you know, I think we're, that's what we all do uh, in this space, Patrick. I don't want, I want to take no undue credit. I learned a lot from a lot of your work. 
uh, in the con that you went ahead and presented. So I was just honored that uh, we, we could come together and say we we're going to offer a multi-part series to try to inform Americans as to this system that many believe is, uh, is the only system possible, but at the same time, it has defrauded many. So why don't you introduce a little bit about where the con came, how the con came about and how, where we're going to go from here? Well, I think today um, is as important as any day, considering the disaster that took place in East Palestine, Ohio, and the train wreck and the uh, subsequent cover-ups and then all of the other questions that seem to be lingering regarding corporate influence, revolving door, what government response is, regulation, um, enforcement, all sorts of things that play into something that seemingly seems disparate from what you just introduced, but they're completely connected. Absolutely. Why is that, right? Well, we have created a system, a global system that's been evolving for some time. I know that there's a lot of uh, sentiment and directive uh, from a lot of what you highly focus on, as do many others. And they want to pinpoint capitalism as sort of the construct that we should be concerned with. I tend to take it from this perspective. Over the course of the last 40 years, we've created basically a neoliberal structure that has led to a predatory capitalism that is based on speculation. Now, when you unpack that statement, you actually have to understand systems. You have to understand geopolitics. You have to understand policy. But more importantly, and what's missing from the state of play in the United States, and it has really, I think, for the last two decades, is journalistic integrity and the details of how things work. Now, as we've seen in East Palestine, Ohio, most of mainstream media has ignored this story. Now they're starting to tip, tip, tip their toe in it. But you know, we in this day and age where we have so much information, and we have so much misinformation or disinformation or just a lot of different people trying to espouse different aspects of something without a whole lot of understanding of the whole. You wind up with this fragmented, very confused time period that can't see the forest for the trees. And so what I hope that we can achieve in this dialogue and what we present here is absolute clarity to present to you. Another framing of what I consider to be the core of everything. It's not about the isms of socialism, capitalism, communism, and the, and the traditional ways that we think of pre-World War II, post-World War II, and all of the history that made all of those isms what they are. I'd like to pronounce that to me, and, and for those of you who really are about nuance or about uh, words having power. You might think of this as redundant. In fact, my partner, my colleagues, many of those uh, suggest that this is redundancy. But I think the system that we're going to explore and to expose to you in significant detail is corporate fascism undergirded by a criminal syndicate that uses predation as its tool to literally devour and destroy everything that we think is real. But the ultimate who done it is, well, wouldn't that come to an end when the equilibrium, the balance, the structure derails, so to speak, staying within the analogy of uh, this disaster, this train disaster that says so much about our society? Well, you would think so, but actually, no.
No, Darren Wright's the ultimate who done it. Absolutely. So, uh, before you, before I get into who are you, I want to um, pick up on your story on on pa- uh, Palestine, Ohio, and just to let you know that we have a governor that goes out there and tells the people it's okay to drink your water. He tells your people that we've checked, and, and I listened carefully to what he said in his speech. We are going to ch- we check the air in your home. And it's all okay. Yet we have reporters going out there now that just go out and say there's something they smell in the air. Guess what? If they're smelling something in the air, that's the molecules in the air of whatever there is in the air. So one has to ask, what are they testing for? Secondly, uh, you can't say that you have dead fish in creeks and that somehow water is okay. When we know that the waters in your aquifer, eventually much of it comes from the top down, uh, going ahead and filtering down. Yes, it takes a, a while, but filtering down into your aquifer. So this is a mess that uh, I think is it's far beyond Palestine because the aqueduct, or rather the the aquifers, know not where they start or end. So we'll see what comes from that. But anyhow, I just wanted to bring that up because that is the issue of this time right now that the media is just hopping on to somewhat, but I think they're still allowing many politicians to snow them by saying, everything is fine. It's all good. We're pumping clean water around the dirty water and the fish that you're seeing is dead. It may not be dead and the plume is going, the plume is going. But anyway, Patrick Lovell, who is Patrick Lovell? Well, I think a great segue to who I am is based on what you just said. So what we're dealing with in East Palestine, Ohio, um, in context of who I am and everything else, is this notion of everything that we are and what we're going to reveal to you in this segue. Financial capitalism built on predation that provides, shall we say, profit to shareholders that have destroyed the infrastructure, the point of all of this is it leads to a failed state, literally a failed state. You're an engineer from what I understand. Uh-huh. So you come at it from the real logistical understanding of the nuts and bolts. Um, and uh, so you're quite adept to be able to understand what I'm saying isn't, you know, hyperbole. This is a, this is a feature of, of the system that we've created because where we start with this whole pattern from, and I'll answer your question, but what I learned, because I had to reconfigure my mind and everything that I understood our country to be after the 2008 great financial crisis, once I started pulling on a lot of threads, was that it led me to discover the three Ds, which are our reality, which is deregulation, desupervision, and decriminalization leads to a criminal state. And so who is Patrick Lovell? Well, Patrick Lovell is originally from Texas, just like where you're located. I was born in Austin. I grew up in Houston. My family, both my grandfather and my dad, were both uh, oil and gas men. And I understand Houston as an industry city. I understood as I grew up, ultimately, the, um, so we say, triangulation and the synergy between finance and ultimately what we saw between the oil industrial complex and then, you know, many years later, a big, big interest by the military industrial state. Now, I always grew up really believing, particularly from a Texas sort of viewpoint, I kind of relished the power, if you will, of the city of Houston, for example. That to me was kind of like my worldview 
when I was growing up. But ultimately, my dad got downsized during the uh, 80s mergers and acquisitions era that was brought in by a lot of things that were happening in the SNL uh, era. Davidson loans debacle. Yeah. Which many people in, 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 in Texas will remember, will remember, of course. But that was also tied to the Mike and Michael Milken era of junk bonds. Uh-huh. And ultimately what might be during this era's first phase of predation. And so as I grew and I ended up moving out West and I ended up, you know, uh, the lifestyle of the mountains and a lot, of, a lot of other things gave me a different sort of perspective. You know, I started to have a, a bit of a different sort of end all be all in terms of ecosystems and equilibrium and things that are maybe less important than absolute my personal interest, so to speak. Right. It's like cause consequence, balance of power, separation of power. All of those things were something that was important to me because that's what I studied in college. But ultimately I ended up becoming a producer in Hollywood. I worked for some of the biggest um, uh, studios that exist. And then I became independent And ultimately, because of what took place in the 2008 great financial crisis, I was always aware, Egberto, of how the world operated. I always was involved. I was never a sideline kind of guy, but I ultimately became an investigative journalist. And let me tell you, my life changed forever because that takes a lot of effort, time, commitment, resources, and it also takes a lot of patience. And as a result of that, we're now talking about this project that took us years to aggregate. Now, the con, tell us a little bit about the con and what we're going to be presenting. So in 2008, ultimately, um, as you may recall, we had a global economic crisis where literally the global machine was in a free fall. And it had become completely, I mean, it was the gears of the machine had completely come to a standstill. And it was during this transition between then President Bush and created a whole lot of problems that ultimately many of us thought we were going to be cleaning up with then incoming president who rode the populist wave of change we could believe in, which was a bit of a uh, platitude because you never really defined exactly what that change was. was, Right. You flip-flopped on a lot of things, but but ultimately there was a lot of hope from people like me for somebody like Obama because I happened to be going through, I was a successful producer at the time. I was working on a television show, ironically, giving away houses all over the country. And then all of a sudden the world went upside down overnight. And I was into my first home with my young family and things weren't adding up based on this experience. Now, the foreclosure process didn't hit Texas nearly as hard as it hit a lot of places around the country. It started in a significant way in the industrial Midwest, which we called the Rust Belt, affectionately. And then it hit the sun states and the sand states. It hit Florida. It hit Nevada. It hit Arizona. It hit California. And it was just significant. And the amount of foreclosures at that time period were unbelievable. And ironically, like I said, I was on a television show giving away houses around the country that ironically and unbeknownst to me was tied to this machine that was sinking rapidly. For example, we had executive producers that were out of the Seattle area that were big time commercial and residential developers flying around on G5s one day. And the next day they were literally bankrupt. And I couldn't believe my eyes because we're talking people that we thought were billionaires uh-huh. bankrupt overnight. And we're like, well, what the hell is that? Next thing I know, here comes this cataclysmic 
tidal, economic tidal wave that takes me out of a six-figure job. And I was living in a nice home at the time, pretty big spend. I thought I could manage my stuff appropriately, but I would consider it the American Dream 101 at the time. But the next thing I know, I'm in this catastrophic like whitewash and nothing made sense. And I started being involved with servicers and foreclosure mills and all of these different things that I didn't understand because I literally thought that when you got a loan, you got a loan from a bank like millions of other people and you paid off your your mortgage to a bank like the previous generations. And then eventually you have a mortgage burning uh, you know party to where you own your home and then you move on. Or at some point you sell it and it, it, it um, you know gains equity or you have equity, but it gains value because it, it that's appreciated in value for you got right. a capital gain. Yeah, right. But instead, everything just went kablam, especially in the Western states, like I said, and in, in the sand states. And I started asking questions. One thing led to another because I am an entrepreneur. I was able to put together the funding with someone who decided to start asking the questions with me. And I'll never forget when they asked, well, if you can figure out how we went from of buying for the people to of buying for the cor corporation, I'm in. And from that point forward, it was like I had to recontextualize my entire mind. I had to re-engineer my understanding of how I thought things work. But ultimately, the biggest who done it for me was, wait a second, is the law the law? And as it turns out, not remotely. Well, you know, we are going to cut into uh, a couple of snippets from uh, some of the great work you did on the con so people can get a flavor of some of the things that we're doing uh, that we're doing here. So take a look at this. I'm neither an economist or a scholar. I'm just an average American who lost my home and very nearly my family to foreclosure when the market imploded. And I've spent almost every day since trying to find out why. Once the death settled, it quickly became clear that my story was no different than millions of other Americans. We all thought that we were alone. We all thought that we'd failed. But none of us really knew why. With a gun in her hand, Addie Polk apparently shot herself in the chest as deputies were knocking on her door with eviction papers in hand. This dramatic increase in mortgage fraud cases was the canary in the mine. It was the warning. This was money chasing people. This was not somebody looking for a loan. It was all designed to maximize profits for all of the different players. The person who sold you a loan made more money if they sold you a higher rate loan. They were sold a lot. They're selling to their very clients these loans that they know are a disaster. I lost my home, not because of money, because of fraud. I don't believe Addie Polk took out the mortgage on her home. I don't believe she signed any documents. They just generated all this junk, took home huge bonuses, and then when it collapsed, they said, oh, not us. This notion that the financial crisis was there wasn't fraud and there wasn't crime is absolutely wrong. It's dead. They were targeting, in many cases, minorities. We were waiting for the leadership to say, go. That never happened. The investigation was suppressed. This was all part of the same puzzle that was falling apart. This is the largest conspiracy of lies in the history of the world. This investigation has just begun. 
mean, it was just 2008, 2010, where there were entire streets that had foreclosure signs. You had millions of people asking for help on their loans to companies that had no interest in helping them. We were being lied to. City mortgage employees continually lied to us over the phone. When I asked them specific questions, they would never answer the questions. My husband had a spinal cord injury, rendering him paralyzed. So Wells Fargo offered us a loan modification. They didn't return phone calls. They provided me misinformation. People were being paid to lie to us, paid to disappear, and they never had any intention of helping us. Several employees from Bank of America were given Target and Best Buy gift cards for foreclosing on homeowners. These were just document bills that would just sign any piece of paper that was necessary in order to convince a judge to let him take the house. All of the documents that were signed by these robo-signers sit behind me. It's 39,000 and they're all fraudulent. These banks, they were a front. They were a front for a criminal enterprise. Our whole regulatory system was a failure when it came to this issue. The jury was kept from seeing my aunt's exculpatory evidence. The evidence that was pro-Barbara got shut out. I heard from a former chief justice, you know that the outcome is dependent upon where the judge believes he's been placed in the revenue stream. Who does him the biggest financial favors? So in other words, you're saying that they're bought off. At the time that I was running, I challenged my opponent not to take money from any banks that got government bailout money. And I did get a call from Washington telling me to be careful because there were a lot of people who got that money who were in my party. Where people can get away with stuff, they will. And the best place to get away with stuff is have a big corporation that's traded on the stock exchange that gives a lot of money to lobbyists and politicians and make it so complicated that nobody can ever figure out what the fuck you did. And you win. If there is an alarm to be sounded in the aftermath of 2008, it is when you have too much wealth and too few hands, the rule of law begins to collapse. All the Americans who are still out of work, got low wages, huge student debts, underwater homes. All these problems are a direct result of the financial crash. The failure to rescue the American working and middle class in the Great Recession, that has set us on the trajectory to where we find ourselves today. It's a fight between Main Street and Wall Street, between the big banks and real people. I'm not supposed to win. Borrower is not supposed to win. That is this game is if you've got the money, you can make the law or you can buy the law. No individual faced any accountability for any of this. I have a new definition for the perfect crime. Perfect crime is a crime that involves everybody. Do you know what the American people would do if those leaders of those banks were indicted? It would send a message loud and clear that the game's over. And we let them off the hook. We let them off the hook. The only way it's going to change is the same way it was affected, which was millions of people have finally fucking had it. Okay, now, Patrick, um, this is our first episode. It's meant to just be an introduction for folks to understand what we're going to be bringing them. And yes, we're starting with the crash of 2008. 
but not in as much as many believe that uh, things would have changed that uh, some some form of grass Stiegley would have been corrected and somehow we were go- we were going to get out of the realm of leverage buying and uh, and 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 uh, credit default swaps that go to hell and derivatives that destroy it's right back where we were and i think later on in this series you're going to point out that in a lot of instances it's actually worse well, you asked the most pressing question, uh, and I came and when I came into contact you, with you when you were quoting Bernie Sanders saying that Wall Street's business model is fraud. Mm-hmm. It is, and there's a way it works. You can't wave a magic wand and say fraud is one thing. You got to deconstruct it like a murder mystery because it murdered common sense, the law, and the American dream. It's the coup. That's what you call it, the coup d'état. And now we, we're having the coup d'état. And it never ended. And like you said, it's worse. If you just look at the numbers, I think we were up to, and let's put this into perspective real quick. So your viewers, hopefully their jaw can fall agape. So recently Sam Bankman fried and the FTX debacle has been on display. I think at the highest level, it was somewhere in the middle of a $9 billion hole in the spread in the, um, in the, um, in the balance sheets. What we're talking about here, folks is somewhere in 2006 between 600 and 800 trillion dollars that destroyed the global economy. And as it turns out right now, I think we're in the 1.4 quadrillion range Mm. um, for the same derivatives. That's beyond debt. This is just simply derivatives. You know, like, like I've said all of the times, these are people that don't work. They just figure out and create instruments on paper. Well, we know it's inside of a computer now, but instruments that somehow gives the, uh, gives a semblance of, of building worth and building wealth, but that's not what they do. Well, for this first episode, why don't you give me a closer, Patrick? Absolutely. So after you just saw those two trailers at, uh, that you can find more information at our website at www.thecon.tv, what we're going to explore is what those two trailers tease, which are the details of all of the layers of what created, and like Egberto, this was what happens in, I guess, Engineering 101, you got to understand how the system works. Right. And so we're going to introduce to you from the, from, from, from the very basics all the way through the entire um, symmetry of this insane system of collusion, corruption, and betrayal that has deceived everyone and has absolute control of this country. Patrick Lovell, producer of The Con, and we are going to learn about The Con, and we're going to learn about what we must do to mitigate The Con. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics and Right. It's my pleasure. It's my honor. And I look forward to more. Thank you, Egberto. We, we, I, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, look, folks, um, this the, the <laughs> I like that one. Who gave me that? Was that Bridge MCP or was that Michael Rudnan? Anyway, uh, there's a, a caption on the screen, a meme on the screen. It says, if seatbelt laws were introduced in 2021, what would happen now? 70% car crash survival rate, but they live in fear. Sheep, if God wanted us to wear seatbelts, he would have made us seatbelts. This sets a bad precedent. They mandate seatbelts today, but next year they'll mandate, they'll make us wear helmets. Car companies can't make me wear a seatbelt. 
It's unconstitutional. I have a medical exception. I have a sore chest. You do know the National Highway Safety Administration hasn't proved, hasn't fully proved their work, right? You know, they don't protect you from all crashes, right? Some study from Antarctica said seatbelts restrict breathing since it goes over your lungs. I couldn't have said that any better. Michael got the meme. Michael got the meme. Look, young lady, you know how this mind goes sometimes. Anyhow, that's a good meme, Michael Rudden. I love the meme. I love the meme. Hey, um, who's going who's gonna to try to call that number? Uh, let's see if we have this stuff set up correctly. 281-823-7747. I'd love to run a test and see if we are working. I haven't done a test. I figured I am going to leave the test to the first brave soul who gives us a call by phone, 281-823-7747. Spend some time setting it up. You know how that goes sometimes. So who will be the brave one to call? 281-823-7747. And I'm going to be in trouble because in the mornings, I use one number for KPFT. And the evenings, uh, in the afternoons, I use this other number, 281-823-7747. Any brave ones to call me yet? Come on, brave ones, give me a call. Let's see if we can adjust it and get it working. I am waiting for your call. Let's see. Uh, oh, somebody took me up on the offer. Love you guys. Let's see if it works. All right. Can you come in? Hello. Hello, Hello you. you. Hey, Alistair, can you hear me? It's not Alistair. Uh, let me see who is it then. Who is it then? It's, it's Bridge, Bridge MCP. MCP. Hey, mi preciosa Bridge MCP. I think I, uh, she, he said I got an echo and I think I know how to get rid of the echo. Let's see if that works. Is the echo gone Maybe now? Miss? Is the echo gone now? There you go. All right. Uh, please tell me, guys, that are listening online, because we had the same issue when we did this con connection at uh, at uh, the other place. All right. Uh, somebody wants me to repeat the number slowly. The number slowly is 281-823-7747. All right. Good. Well, you know, folks... Um, it was important for me to get this up and running. Egberto, please send me some emails so I know that you are receiving and reading my emails. Um, I will do that. I'll go look for it, sir. Anyway, so what's up, Bridge? Talk to me. Nothing. I just wanted to make sure the system was working. And you know what? I want to thank you for making sure the system is working. And folks, it guess does, what it else? Put you on a brief hold. Uh, put you so on a brief hold. It says. Uh, please hold while I connect you and then you wait and then you come on. You know, I, I, I have a, I have a message out to the people who provide the virtual PBX. There are certain scenarios that I want to arrange and I don't know how to set it up in the bridge. So as we go along, we'll see what their capabilities are and we will able to figure it out. But I am just happy that for right now I can hear the voice of, 
piece of our PDR posse. I would love to see if somebody else in the PDR posse would call in while you are on the line to see how we capture the, um, you know, the, the hole. So somebody tell, else. Tell, tell them to tell them to mute. That's what the echo was about. Oh, okay. Anyway, folks, don't forget to mute, but give us a call. Seven one. Oh, I'm sorry. Two eight one. Eight two three. All right, we have another call coming in. You guys are wonderful, and I'm about to answer it. Let's see. Hold and answer is how it goes. Here we go. Uh, all right, who do I have the honor of Hello. speaking with right now? This is Maywood. How you doing? Hey, Maywood. Thank you for calling in. Um, I'm yeah. glad that you called. Now, what I'm trying to do with the neck with this new system, and and Bridge, please stay on is to go ahead and go, uh, to make sure to, what is the word that I want to say, uh, to keep people on hold. Uh, let me go ahead and see if I can figure out now how to get back to Miss MCP. Bear with me a second right now. I want to uh, put you on hold. And let's see wh- how, how we, we machinate this. This is new for me, folks, so please bear with me as we learn to use this new system. And for those that are on the podcast, this is what happens when you are in the learning mode. I think this one would be Bridge. Bridge, is that you right now? Uh, Bridge, are you there still? Are you not there or what? Okay, folks, bear with me as I try to figure out on hold. Let's see, Bridge, are you there now? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, now let me ask you this, because I'm st- I need to find out what I need to tell these people when I contact them. When you are on hold, can I... Okay, let's see, Michael said he's heading out a few early. Thank you, Michael, for being here. When you're on hold, what do you hear? Music. Oh, you hear music. Okay, great. And let me see how I can put you back on hold and get to uh, get to the other callers again. I'm figuring this baby out. Uh, let's see. Now we are here with Ron. Are you back on? Are you back on now, Ron? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay, yeah. good. And what All I'm, I'm gonna, hearing is music. <laughs> you're okay. Well, we're going to figure this one out. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to see if I can take these calls and say, uh, bring Bridge in by merging active calls. All right. Can you hear me now, Bridge? Yes, I can. And can you hear me now, Ron? Yes. And can you hear Bridge and, as she spoke as well? Actually, yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, so I can hear Ron. I- well, good. I, 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 I video. Great. This is this is very good now. So um, I think we are pretty much set up for how we're going to want to go. Both of you can hang the phones up now. I have some work to do based on that experiment that we just did. Thank you so kindly, uh, my no dear, there, my dear yeah. beautiful posse. Glad to help. Thank you very much. All right, okay. let let's go ahead, folks. So you know what? The setup actually worked. You know, I spent a whole lot of time the last two nights. I get in the new service from the advice of some of you to allow that those of you who just want to come in and and talk live on this, on our podcast, on our live broadcast can do so. And you know what? It worked, which is so important. Yay, it worked. 
Anyhow, folks, we are near the end of the program. I'd like to remind all of you to uh, support the program by going to, you notice we have a new feature now. We can take live calls. I have some more experiments to do. I'll try to do that offline with two different telephones, etc. But as you can see right now, we have, um, we have live call-ins now, which is, it, it is great. And you guys, again, you guys made this happen, right? You guys made this happen by continuing to support us. So I ask you, to please keep supporting us as, you know, keep the posse live, keep us doing what we're doing, because you know what? We are making a difference, and it's not just the posse here making a difference. We are making a difference out together. E2247 says, that guy what runs the radio thing is doing a good job. What to think about that? Plus, he's working hard, so don't blame him if that radio thing don't work right. <laughs> are you speaking about... Let me make sure. Are you speaking about me? Did I do something? Anyway, anyway, folks, um, let's go ahead and uh, ask you guys again, once again, please go to politicsandright.com slash support, politicsandright.com slash support. And let me put that in there. And that is how, oh, wrong. I guess I'm on the wrong keyboard. You know how that goes. Uh, please go to politicsandright.com slash support. And we will be, the, ah, that's not what I want to do. I want to go here. And to do that, I need to go ahead and say, copy you guys here and then put you here. Please go to politicsdoneright.com slash support and choose whatever way you can to support the program. Because in doing so, uh, there is so much more that we want to do with the program. So I'm going to head out a couple minutes early. Got a whole lot of videos to cut. My name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.